0: Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Different. God has called us to live in such a way that honors Him. We're not supposed to embrace the principles of the world, but live from the standards set by God's Word. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info@pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. I came to this church to to deliver a message, and, and man, I encountered God in a way that is just tremendous. And so this morning I was all shaken up, but I've calmed down a little bit, so uh, (laughs) I'm feeling better. But, yeah, so my wife and I, Jessica, a lot of you know her. Some of you don't, but um, we actually just celebrated seven years of marriage uh, last week. And um, the Lord has blessed her with the gift of patience for me. So, uh, but yeah, we have my wife Jessica, my son Liam, he's four years old. Again, some of you guys know Liam, he's crazy, love that kid. He's he's my little buddy, man, he's he's cool. So, and then I got my daughter Rylan, she's amazing, beautiful, and I'm getting over the idea that she'll never get married, but um, I absolutely have to choose her husband. So, um, I have to have a, you know what I mean, so... Yeah, if it happens, you know what I mean? I'm willing, whatever the Lord wants, she can stay with me as long as she needs to. And then I have my third son, his name is Lucas, and he's one, and he's crazy. He thinks he's as big and old as his brother and sister, so he tries to do everything they do, and he gets hurt the most. And so um, he's my only, yeah, who, who's clapping? <laughs> yeah, all right, your child is in pain. Um he's my own, the only kid that I've had that actually has hit his face and his nose is bleeding. And so I didn't know what to do, so I, I, I came on his jacket and it was just, it was crazy. That is unnecessary to say right now and I'm very sorry. But um, anyway, so yeah, we've, we're we out there in Hutto Texas. You're like, where is Hutto It's by Austin, Texas. Okay, that's all you need to know. If you want details, you can go to the Google Maps and look it up. But we're in Hutto Texas, a small town outside of Austin. And it is blowing up and a lot of people are moving there and our church has been opened for uh since april so we've been open a little bit over six months i think and god is doing a tremendous work out there and so we actually have some pictures to show you um, yeah it, it's just crazy what god is doing we saw and again I'm not saying this because it's about numbers but i think it's important that you hear what god is doing uh, we started the churches my wife and i and then isaiah and angie came down to help us and it was kind of just us kind of planning things out and then we started building a team. We had a team of about 15 people when we launched. And now our church is running about 50 to 60 people on a Sunday morning. And it's just amazing. And, and people are coming. They're not coming to our church because, I think my timer, am I, am I done? Is that my timer? I'm just kidding. Uh, people are not coming to our church because, um, you know, We have great marketing or anything like that. They walk into our our building and they say, man, we feel something so different here. And they think it's the vibe. They think it's the music. Sometimes they think it's the people. But I know it's it's the presence of God. And they walk into our church and they feel his presence and they're like, man, something is different. Something makes me want to stay here. And so we've had salvations, we've had miracles, physical healing miracles in our church. I have a brother that that I love dearly, a part of our church, and he he expressed to me that it was very hard for him to believe in healing today until he experienced it at our at our church. And so what's happening is the Lord is opening the eyes of the religious and the conservative Christian. He's showing them that there's so much so much depth to who he is, and so much more to experience. So God is doing a great work out there in Hutto, Texas we actually just got a brand or not a brand new but we got a new building um, just this past month we celebrated and um, to get a building where we're at is almost impossible like i'm serious it's almost impossible i know somebody that has actually been there for nine years and still has yet to find a building but the lord blesses we're not subleasing this is our our church building that that has our name on it and man God is good. He's provided every amount of finances that, that, that we've needed. He's, he's been so good to us. And so God's doing a good work out there. And I know that you guys are praying for us. And keep praying for us. Keep, you know, text us every once in a while. You know, we, we're still here. Uh, <laughs> say what's up. And we love, we love this church. And it feels so good to be home. I'm telling you right now, it feels so good to be, I guess, home away from home. It would be a better way to put it. And so let's pray and let's believe that the Lord is going to be here. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence, God. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us. God, I pray that every distraction, every reason to not pay attention, God, every reason to ignore what your word is saying, I pray that those things will be just, just taken out of our minds, God. And I pray that our hearts will be ready to receive what you want to say. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us and that you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. I got to do one more thing before I move on to my sermon. Um, we got into our building and... We had to completely build everything. We had to build a brand-new stage in that building. And I have great people in my church, but we are not handy. Uh, <laughs> you know, we can't do it. And so we called on the two best friends that I know, Jacob and Renee Robles. And they came to our church, and they worked, worked. worked. We were there morning till the next morning. It was insane. But we got it done in two days. And so the stage is beautiful. They built a stage. They built us a drum shield like this. And they did it for much cheaper than I probably could have got anybody else to do it. So they're amazing. And I love them. I don't know where they're at. But Lord bless them wherever they are in Jesus' name. (laughs) All right. So what I want to talk today about is stewarding the presence of God. And and what I mean by this is is how do we handle the presence of the Lord when we have him among us? And, And the truth is this is that. The presence of God is so amazing, and so beautiful. It's so, it's just this, it's not even, a, it's, it's hard to explain, but you know when you're there. And, and sometimes we could easily pass these moments up or easily ignore what the Spirit of God is doing. Um, but I, I've come to, to value, and I know a lot of you have too, come to value the presence of the Lord. in the sense of, of it, it has become everything to you. It has become everything. All we want is Jesus, right? All we want is him. And so Matthew chapter 13 verse 44 through 46 says, The kingdom of heaven is like like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Jesus has given us this idea of the value of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is worth everything that we have. The kingdom of God is not only worth everything that we have, the kingdom of God requires everything that we have. In order to receive the kingdom of the Lord, it it takes surrender, it takes repentance, it takes obedience and humility and all these things. But what is the kingdom of God? And we can kind of hear that and think okay, he must be talking about heaven. The kingdom of God, probably in heaven, I'll I'll eventually get there one day and and I'd love to experience. But that's not what the kingdom of God necessarily is. The kingdom of God is the presence of Jesus. The kingdom of God is Jesus himself. To, To be able to be a part of his presence, to be walking with him, to know him, that is to know the kingdom. And so what is he telling us here? He's saying, listen, the presence of God is worth your treasure. The presence of God is is like treasure hidden in a field that when you find it, and I know some of us have experienced those moments, right? Like, I found something, and I don't want to let it go. It means so much to me. It's so valuable to me, and nothing else could compare to this. So we hold on to it. We hold on to the presence. We hold on to this relationship with the Lord, and I want to encourage you that what is happening among your church is special, this does not happen everywhere. Um, thank you, too. <laughs> this does not happen any, not ev- everywhere. It's very rare to find the presence of God like this. I went into this morning, uh, I, my plan for this trip was I was like, okay, service starts at 9, so I get to sleep in. I could, you know, get there about 9.15, miss the first two worship songs. I know you're like, man, this guy's preaching today. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> And then I'll get in there. I'll preach. I got a word. I know what I, I'm good. And the Lord convicted me. He said, "No, no, no. You're not there on vacation. You're there on assignment." And he said, "You need to go to early to pray with the church." and and I thought, I was like, okay, well, I can go. Maybe, maybe I can say something. I don't know what he wants me to do there, but I'll go. And I walked into the prayer room, and, and, and I just felt the presence of God so, so strong. And, and those of you who know me know I'm not a crier. I don't cry for everything. But I began to weep in the prayer room because the presence was so beautiful and so thick. And he was there. He is here now. And I got on my knees. And I got on my knees, and I just began to... Just really stand in amazement of how beautiful he is. And then, we, then I gathered myself together. I was like, well, I don't want people to see me cry. So I gathered myself together. I'm like, okay, well, let me get to worship now. And then I got into worship. And then they started playing worship. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I can't believe how, how, how evident his presence is. And I looked at Pastor Omar. I tapped him on the shoulder. I interrupted his worship. And I said, hey, Pastor Omar, i got to ask you a question. Is it always like this every Sunday? And he said, yes. And... And I, I was like, oh, my gosh. And then worship started to continue. And then again, God, I don't, I don't know why he's doing to me, this to me now. But again, he started to make me cry. And I just began to think of how good he is and how amazing he is and how valuable he is. And I begin to cry. But listen, I'm going to be very, very honest with you. And this might hurt a little bit. It might sting a little bit. But, but I can go back to Texas. If you've got a problem, talk to Pastor Isaac. He'll handle it for me. But I... I, I, I I, I, begin to, I, I begin to look around the room, and in the middle of the presence of God, I saw people like this. And I saw people, people unaware of who's here. And I begin to cry because my heart was hurting for the idea that we can stand in the beautiful presence of God and not give Him what He deserves. And I want to encourage you, do not take this for granted. What you have is what we're fighting for in Texas. What you have right now is what we're praying for in Texas. Don't take this for granted. You're like, yeah, I heard it before. Okay, hurry up. Got to get to lunch. You guys do have good food out here, so I will try to hurry up so I can eat some good food too. You have this opportunity to be, to be in the presence, to know him in a deep, deep way. And, and it's just amazing what God is doing here, but don't take that for granted. But what does it mean when he's here, what do you do? Luke chapter 8, we're going to read a lot of scripture up front, and then we're going to kind of break it down as we go. Um, I know we have a clock up there, but I'll do my best to follow it. Um, Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 56 says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who is it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you, and, you are, and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him. And how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus on hearing this answered him, do not fear, only believe and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. Can I say this real quick before we continue? When you begin to live a life of faith, people may laugh at you. They may try to make you feel bad about what you're doing. But you're going to see the miracle. But but taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise, and her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat, and her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. See, there's this story of expectation, there's a story of invitation, and there's a story of restoration. Jairus is inviting Jesus to his house because he's expecting him to do something. And because of the invitation and the expectation, he received restoration. What is it to steward the presence of God? To steward the presence of God is to have an attitude that invites him to where you are, an attitude that expects him to do great things, and an attitude that is willing to receive the restoration that he's wanting to give you. This is what happens in the presence of God. But but, but what happens when we invite Jesus is we have to be prepared to host him. We have to be prepared to welcome him into our place and treat him well. In Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 39, and we're going to then jump to 44 through 48. It says, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Again, people that are surrendered offend religious people. Surrendered people offend religious people. So if you're offended by someone who surrendered, maybe you're a little bit too religious. Again, I get to go home. (laughs) Anyway. Then turning toward the woman, he said, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. What I love about this moment is that all that was required from the host was one kiss, but this woman did not stop kissing him. The surrendered and and the desperate will continue to give Jesus what he deserves, even when it goes past what it's supposed to look like. She didn't stop. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. This, 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 we have a contrast here. We have Simon and we have this woman. We have the man who invited Jesus to his house but didn't host him. And then we have the woman who was so desperate for the Lord that even in a, even in a, in a scenario where she did not belong, she still hosted Jesus because Simon wouldn't. She still said, I'm going to give you what you deserve, even if somebody won't. But this is, the, this, is the, this is the wonderful thing about Christ is this. He's the friend that comes before the party. Now, you know what I'm talking about, right? When you got Thanksgiving dinner, you got a birthday party going on, you got a lot of things to set up, right? You got to do tables. You got to get the, the I don't know. Pinterest backdrop done, right, like all these different things, but, but you know that good friend that, that comes before the party starts and says, hey, how can I help you? Can I help you set up that table? Can I help you? Let me, let me, let me get in there and, and, and help you do what you need to do for your house to be clean, because Jesus is not expecting to come to your clean house. Jesus is, is expecting to go into your life as you are and clean you up. He's not saying, no, no, no. He's not saying, yeah, yeah, you have to to be clean. Like, hey, I'm coming over. You better get things cleaned up before I get inside. No, he's saying, I want to be there. I want to help you do your laundry. I want to help you clean the tables. I want to help you take out the trash. I want to help you get rid of the things in your life that you say, man, I don't want anybody to see this. I don't want anybody to know this. Jesus is the one who goes in as you are and says, let me help you clean. When you invite him. You don't have to invite him to a clean house. You know, you know who says that? Religion says that. Religion says you got to put your tie on and you got to tuck in your shirt and you got to get, get all nice and pretty before you come to Jesus. I didn't mean to offend anybody who's wearing a tie. That's, that's not what I mean. Brother Dennis, I'm sorry. I don't, that's not what I meant. But you get, you get what I'm saying, right? Religion says you have to be together before you invite him. But Jesus says, I'll come as you are. I just, I just want to help you clean. All you have to do is let him in. But what happens when he comes in? Because a lot of people let him in, but the difference is what you do when he enters. What I think we should do as a host of the Lord, not just in our lives, but in our church, is to honor His presence, to give Him what He deserves. To come into a place and say, Lord, I know that I don't feel like singing. I know that I don't feel like worshiping. I know that I don't feel like responding. I know that I don't feel like doing all these things. But because you're worthy of it, because you deserve this, I'm going to honor you with what I can give. Now, I can't sing very good. That's why I'm not on the worship thing at my church. Because we'd be, just me and my wife still. But I will sing because he deserves it. Because it brings him honor. I'll do whatever it takes to honor the Lord when I have him with me. We've got to get out of the mindset, church. Listen to me. We've got to get out of the mindset and say, I'm going to go to church to for God to, so, so it's like, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? Lord, I love you, but what can you do for me? Now, God, is, God desires to help you. He desires to heal you. He desires to give you a miracle, but it's the wrong attitude to say, Lord, I'm only coming to you for that miracle. I want to come in his presence and say, Lord, I'm going to give you what you deserve, whether I feel like it or not, whether I want to or not. We have to have honor in his presence, but we also have, have to have humility in his presence. What is humility? Humility is it's coming to a place with the Lord where you're honest and open about who you are. Isn't it amazing how much we try to hide from God? As if he can't see, see, see it all, you know what I mean? Like, like we try to hide, try to hide our doubts, try to hide our disbelief. We try to hide our frustrations. So we come to the Lord like, oh yeah, God, it's all good. But humility will say, Lord, I'm frustrated with you. Because I don't feel like you're giving me what I need. God, I'm frustrated because I don't feel your presence like I used to. God, I'm not, I have doubts in my heart right now. And being honest with the Lord, the Lord can take it. He's not weak. He, he hears what you say and we have to be honest so that he can get us through that. But humility is not just being honest with God or, or being humble before the Lord. Humility is also being humble amongst each other. To serve one another. To, to love each other. To, to live for one another. Pastor Omar had this quote, and he, we had this, this exercise where it's like, say a good quote. And I'm not much of a reader as much as I should be, so I don't have a lot of quotes in my life. But uh, I do remember one that Pastor Omar said, and I'm going to butcher it because it was a long time ago. But he said, the spiritually mature live for the benefit of others. So when it comes to humility in the church, yeah, do you have the right to be mad? Maybe. Do you have the right to say what you want to say? Maybe. Do you have the right to be offended? Probably. But the spiritually mature will say, I'm not going to say that because it doesn't benefit my brother. I'm not going to act like that because it doesn't benefit my family or my husband or my wife. I'm not going to say or act like these, like the way that I feel like I I deserve to because I serve people. I'm not here to, to be served. I'm here to serve we don't like that anymore where well, we become consumers what can people give to me but no no we're here to serve each other now oftentimes we're like well no I'm a servant of God I'm, I'm a servant I don't have to serve people I serve God right like or what's our favorite scripture right if, if I was worried about offending people I wouldn't be a servant of Christ Like, that's, like, we all like to quote that because it's, like, it's almost like a, we get, you know, get out of jail, free card or whatever. Like, I can do, I can offend people and be upset with people and get people mad because I'm a servant of God. Like, who cares? Like, whatever, if you're offended, I'm a servant of God. But, see, we don't serve God to please people. But serving people pleases God. So we live a life of humility to say, I, because we have the presence of God here, because Jesus has met us, he's, he's been so good to you, you could be good to somebody else. But because he's here, he's with us, we live a life that honors him. And what honors him is when we serve each other. This idea of, of invitation, how do you handle the Lord when he comes into your, into your church? How do you treat his presence when he's among you? How do you treat him? Uh, invitation, expectation. See, when, when, when Jesus comes, when Jesus shows up, let your expectations go up. I used to be intimidated to say that you could, people can be healed from cancer. I used to be intimidated. To say, yeah, your marriage will be rest-. I used to be intimidated to shout miracles that could possibly happen because I would often say, well, what if it doesn't? We're going to look really bad. <laughs> right, no, I guess, just But this is the thing about God is, is is, is what it says. Ephesians 3.20 says, now to him who was able to do far more Abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. To Him be, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. What I love about the story of the woman and Jairus is they were filled with expectation. They knew that if I can just get a hold of Him, if I can just Touch his, his garment. If I could ju- just get him to my house, if I could just get in his presence, then I know that I'll receive the miracle that I've been praying for. I know that I'll receive the breakthrough that I've been praying for. But also, what I love about the presence of God is it's not just for the elite or for the ones that have a title or for the ones that have a name. See, Jairus was a, was a, was a man who was known, but the woman doesn't have a name in scripture. But they both got a miracle. They both received. The power of Jesus. The presence of God is available to you. Like, it's frustrating sometimes because we are, we we're very like, well, they could get it. Or, yeah, Pastor Mike, like, yeah, you felt that, but I never really feel that way. Yeah, yeah, Pastor Omar's got it. Pastor Isaac, they, they, they all got it. They're good. But I'm just going to come to church. I'm just going to, you know, come on Sundays. and, and But man, how, how, how much are we missing if all we get of God is on Sunday? You can have the presence of God in your life every single day. You could get an encounter with God every single day. It doesn't matter if the sound is on or the lights are on or you got Stephen and his angelic voice filling the room. Like, that stuff doesn't really matter because you have access to God. You have the access to him. Listen, listen, what I, what I felt when I was crying and I, and I was like, man, I, can I be honest with you? I, I didn't always feel that way. There was times in my life where I was like, I don't even want to be here. I was sharing this with Pastor Omar. That for years, my faith, you know what my walk with the Lord was? It was, God, I don't feel you. I don't know if you're there. This is years, people. This is when I was here with the young adults, pastoring. Even a little bit until we got sent out. My relationship with the Lord was, God, I don't feel you. I can't see you. I don't even know if you're there. I'm miserable. But I'm just going to go off of faith. Like, and I, I feel like you're... What I'm saying is, I did not like that, but I thought I would always be stuck there. But what I begin to experience is that I can tap into his presence anywhere that I go. He set me free from this mindset and some of you have this mindset too. The mindset that you're just going to fake it till you make it. That you're never really going to get that experience. That you're never going to understand what guys like me are talking about. No, the, the intimate presence of the Lord is available to you. It's available to you. You can be that deep Christian that you want to be. You can be that crazy guy that's like, man, why is he always worshiping? Why is he always crying? Like, I never cried before. Why am I crying? Like, I still question that. But you can be that person who is so deeply in love with the Lord that you experience his presence wherever you go. But it takes believing that God can do it. I believe. See, faith gets the attention of heaven. Faith gets the attention of the Father when you believe, when you come with faith. Don't just come to church. Come with faith. Don't just go to prayer. Go with faith. Don't just go to your small groups or even your jobs. Go with faith that, God, this is the day. Lord, I'm going to get my miracle today. God, can I tell you the greatest miracle that you can get every single day is the fact that you can meet him. See, we feel like we're getting ripped off. Like, oh, I'm not healed yet. They're not saved yet. I don't have the money yet. So, God, I'm going to keep praying for that miracle. And, yes, that is a miracle. But the greatest miracle is that you can know him, that you can walk with him, that he can know you, and that you can experience him every single day. And that miracle is available all the time. So we get into his presence and our faith goes up. We believe for great things. Don't settle for what is, but believe for what can be. Whew. How much time do I have? Don't look at the clock, guys. Don't do that. <laughs> I feel like this one went way faster. Like Lord help me. What this story is, is it it, it kind of opened my eyes to this idea of community expectation. It says that the crowd was they were they were welcoming him and they were waiting for him. Not just Jairus and not just the woman, but the crowds. There was a community of expectation and community of expectations. It creates space for God to move. It, it matters that you come expecting God. It matters that you come to prayer. No, no amens? <laughs> I was like, that's too early. It's like Tuesday. At, what are you doing Tuesday at 8 o'clock that you cannot come to prayer? Anyway. It matters that you're a part of these things because the community expecting God to work, expecting God to move, it creates space for that. When you have this community that is filled with faith and expectation, you will see miracles. You will see miracles. I was, I was in the prayer room and I was, you know, hiding my face so nobody would see the tears. And I looked to my left and, and Sister Patricia was there. And um, it was this idea, this thought that the Lord gave me uh, for the church. And, and I realized that she, she was my children's church teacher when I was here, or there, the other building. When I was a kid, she was my teacher. And she, she dug up wells of faith and expectation that I, as a, as a child, as a teenager, as a, as a young adult growing up in the church, Drank from and experienced because of her faithfulness to the Lord. But not just her, a, a number of, of pastors now and leaders in the church at the time, they dug up those wells for us. And then we, we began to do ministry and we became, like my friends and my peers, we got into leadership at the church and, and we began to dig wells and, and believe for God to do great things. And now what's happening here, it was not always like this. It was not always like, oh, my God, worship was amazing, the presence of God. It was not always like this. I remember having the conversation with Omar and Sister Letty and the worship team, and we would say, how do we get people to worship at the altar? Like, how do we do that? Do we turn the lights off? Do we add more haze? I love, I love haze. If you guys don't need that machine anymore, you can ship it to Huddle. I would gladly take it. But is it, no, 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 what, what, what it was, it was, a, it was faithfulness of people that would dig wells and pray and believe. And say, man, God, there's more, there's more. And now you are experiencing the wells that were dug before you. Now, you have a decision to make. As a congregation, as a community of believers, are you going to be satisfied with what you have now? Because what you have now is great really is. It's amazing. But there's more. There's more. Are you going to be satisfied with what you have now? Or will you begin to dig wells with expectation and faith and faithfulness and honor and humility? Will you begin to dig those wells so that when more people come, there's a deeper well to drink from? There's a deeper presence of the Lord in this church. That's really up to you. But I want to encourage you as a community that that you should never stop seeking the Lord. He's everything. He's everything. If I can have Omar and Daisy come up, if she's here, if she's in here, that would be amazing. Can I just say that this worship team is amazing? <clears throat> David plays amazing on those drums, by the way. I th- it's David, not Daniel, right? I don't know. <laughs> he does a great job. Daniel did great on the piano too. I'm going to end soon. and I, I just want to pray with some people. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna believe that God's going to continue to move. There's this, this. I don't know what, what God did to me. Like, it was at conference, and I, I remember Pastor, I talked to Pastor Omar a little bit about this. and There was a long season in my life. I almost feel like it was my whole life, but it wasn't. A long season where I, I, I'm just going to be open with you guys. Again, I get to go back home. But this is live stream. Oh, no. There's a long season in my life when I had the most dry, empty heart, and it tormented me. I, I, this is real, real talk here, okay? I couldn't love my wife like I knew that I should. I couldn't love my kids like I knew that I should. I couldn't love people like I knew that I should. I couldn't experience Jesus like I never knew that I could. I didn't have that. And I remember I would, I would pray, Lord, like, can you please, like, what is wrong with me? I would, that was my prayer, like, all the time, every day. What is wrong with me? You know how people tell those stories about their kids? They're like, when I saw them, like, every, my whole life changed and everything was new and, and, like, I believed them, but I was like, man, I didn't feel that. I was empty. Like, I love my kids to death, but I was empty. And I would complain and I would cry out to God. And I would, even when I was pastoring, guys, this is not like years and years ago. I'd be in my office in Texas just on my knees like, Lord, what is wrong with me? Why can't I feel you like I, like I need to? Why don't I love my wife? Like, what's wrong with me? And I remember this moment at conference. They did a call for, like, pain, right, hurt. And, and I was like, nobody's hurt me. I, I, don't, I, I, pretty, I, I let things go pretty easily. Maybe it's because I had a shallow heart. I don't know. But I let things go pretty easily. And, and I didn't really care, you know, about that kind of stuff. And, and the Lord was like, you need to go to the altar. I'm like, Lord, I feel like I'm going to go up there for attention, and I don't want to do that. Um, I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? Uh, you guys know that guy? No, he doesn't go here. <laughs> but I didn't, want, I didn't want to go up there. And I remember the Lord push, pushing, pushing. Me. And, I, and I went to the altar and, and, and I completely was broken. Like when I say broken, I ask my brother. I was broken. I was on the floor weeping. Weeping. And the Lord was taking things out of my life that I didn't even know were there. Pulling things out. Oh my, it was like that. Oh, I hurt my chest. It was so deep. And something happened. I I got up and and I was like, I I feel him. I feel him. The night, the night service. I felt his presence. I went home, I prayed, and he was with me. And you're like, well, why are you sharing this? Because some of you have not even experienced him yet. And the ones that have, take it for granted sometimes. It's like, yeah, yeah, he's here, cool, cool. All right, like, when's this going to end, man? Like, hurry up with the message. Or yeah, come on, Omar, another bridge? Like, bro, come on. You know what I mean? Like, but no, his presence is so valuable. To me, to me, He means the world to me. There is nothing in this world that I would trade for Jesus. Nothing. There's nothing. I used to want favor for for influence. And I used to want favor to be in the right rooms with the right guys at the right time. And I used to want favor um, for position and all these ungodly things. And I used to want that favor. But now my favor, the favor I want is just the favor to be with him. I don't care about anything else. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me anymore. Because I have him. When you have him, you have restoration. This woman was like, I've tried everything. But she, it says she heard the stories. She heard, man, this guy, he he he, he people were paralyzed in their walking. They were blind and they could see. They were deaf and they could hear. They were possessed by demons and they're free. What? If I could just, my sickness isn't bad as that guy being paralyzed. If, if I could just maybe just touch him, then the sickness that I have would be healed. Because I've tried everything else. And some of us, we've tried it all. We've tried religion. We've tried church, we've tried building good habits, we've tried putting those things down, we've tried all that but can I say if you could just touch him if you could just reach out and touch him you will get the miracle that you're praying for you will get that miracle that you're believing for because when we're filled with expectation and when we invite him we receive restoration the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has to obtain it. I don't know about you, but I want him. I want Jesus. And I believe we're in a room of people who want him more. And, and I don't think that today is necessarily about, oh, you have to repent of your sins. Or may, some of us will have to do that. But what I think today is is an encouragement to tell you that there's more. That there's more. Let's bow our heads this morning. Close our eyes. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount, or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.